First, I am Han, and this is the podcast you're looking for, the Star Wars podcast. We bring you the latest and greatest in the world, and today we're talking about a lot of great stuff, a lot of scary stuff, but all around just talking about Star Wars. Hope you're all having a good morning or afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back, uh, and I hope you had a great weekend as well. I wanted to start off today's show by thanking everybody for the birthday wishes last week. That was really... That was really special, and I got way more than I thought I would. A lot of people reached out, and a lot of you joined me on the Tuesday live stream, which really meant a lot to me as well. Um, I honestly thought I would have done that birthday stream, and no one would have watched it. But a fair amount of you did, and that really uh, it meant a lot to me. So thank you so much. And um, I'll plan to do hopefully some more streams going down the line. Uh, more than just like the Monday stream, like kind of just hangout streams, which, cause I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I, I hope you guys are doing well. If you're watching live, thank you. If you're watching or listening on the podcast, thank you for listening. And I want to know how your weekends were. If you did anything fun, if you did anything Star Wars related, are you guys watching Bad Batch, all that kind of good stuff. I actually, for the first time in over a year, went back to the movie theater. I went back to the Chinese theater in Hollywood and I saw Army of the Dead and it was amazing. I'm not a big Zack Snyder uh, fan. I, I like some of the movies, but I never really loved anything until Army of the Dead. It is incredible. It may have just been because I was, it was the first time being back in a theater, getting the theatrical experience, but it was so good to be back and, you know, things are finally getting back to normal and just being in that theater with a bunch of people reacting to a movie at the same time was, it's magical. And, and I'm so glad I got to do that. So, but I highly recommend if you have the opportunity to see Army of the Dead in theaters, do it. You're, this is a movie you don't want to watch for the first time on Netflix. Please go watch it in theaters. It's incredible. So... Some other things that happened to me this weekend before we get into the Star Wars news was a lot of you know I'm I'm making a short film. I've we've already shot it and it's written and directed by myself and produced. And I we finished the edit which I said last week and yesterday I actually got the film uh, my colorist texted me and said it's finished being colored. So it's now fully edited and colored. And now we're just working on the music and the sound. And then my short film's done. And hopefully you guys will get to see it sometime soon. I was really tempted to share a screenshot on the show today. But there's some reasons why I can't. Mostly because I'm not allowed to. Because with a short film, if you want to submit it for festivals and things like that, it cannot be seen by anyone until the festival premiere. But I'll see if I can find any like deleted scenes or things like that that I could share. But anyway, that was it for me. I also re revealed the Bad Batch review for Episode 3 yesterday on Sunday. And if you guys don't know, every Sunday right here on the YouTube, on the Twitch, and on the podcast, I host the Bad Batch reviews. We review every episode and break down some of the important stuff in there. And this week's episode was really important. And I think it also slightly proves that Omega is possibly Force-sensitive. So if you haven't watched that review, go back and check it out. It's really quick. It's like seven minutes long. But overall, I'm enjoying the show, and it's surprising me every step of the way. I think you guys would enjoy it if you haven't watched it already. If you had, I'd love to know your thoughts. Now, there was one more thing I wanted to mention about something that's happening this week, something a little different. Uh, I will be having a bonus episode this week, and it won't just be me. I am going to have two guests on the show, and they are 
uh, podcasters themselves, Star Wars podcasters, and their podcast is called Conversations. So it's Conversations, but SW in the middle. Very brilliant <laughs> design. Um, I had a chat with them on Saturday. We recorded it. It was a fun conversation. It, it was some of the most fun I've had talking with a panel of people in a long time, like new people. And so I'm releasing that on Friday morning at 9 a.m. I hope you'll check it out. They're great guys. Uh, definitely love Star Wars. And maybe you'll get to watch their podcast as well. So that's coming on Friday. Don't forget to stick around and check that out. And I can't wait for you to see it. We'll definitely have them back because we're going to have to do a part two because we got a little carried away and just kept talking about Star Wars. So <laughs> look out for more episodes with conversations coming up. Now, I did mention I was going to have a show coming up with two new people. This is not the one I was mentioning because the other one I was talking about is the inclusion of my new sponsor, which is coming. It's taken a little bit to get there, but we're almost there, and they'll be able to join us on the show. You guys will get to talk with them too, and you'll get to hear about the new sponsor. So I'm excited for that as well. Um, but yes, that is that is all for – did I say Friday? I think I, I meant Wednesday. No, it is Friday. Friday at 9. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, so what are we talking about today? Okay, so today we're talking about a bunch of stuff, a bunch of news regarding Daisy Ridley, regarding Mandalorian Season 3. Of course, the title of this video today is, or the podcast is, you know, Disney is making some serious changes and Star Wars could be in trouble. We have a lot of details to discuss about that and some reports that have come out very recently about this. And I think it's fascinating and kind of scary. And the last thing we'll talk about, if we have time, is a an analysis of the parallelisms in Star Wars. I have some quotes from George Lucas I'll share, some examples of how thematically the movies kind of reiterate each other. And we'll talk about that too. Um, but before we get into any of that, let's start off with our first segment of the day, Star Wars Replay. Enjoy. Star Wars Replay! Star Wars Replay is where we replay major moments and events that happened this week in Star Wars history. And this week, back in 1982, Tia Sarkar, the voice actress of Sabine Wren, was born. Back in 1999, Star Wars Episode One Racer was released on the Game Boy Color platform. And this week in history is a huge week for Star Wars movie releases. In 1999, The Phantom Menace premiered. In 2002, Attack of the Clones premiered. In 2005, Revenge of the Sith premiered, and finally, in 1980, The Empire Strikes Back was released. That's it for Star Wars Replay. Tune in next Monday to find out what major moments and events happened next week in Star Wars history. So as you can see, this week alone is technically the Star Wars week. This is when all the movies were released, or about half of them. You know, it used to be May was Star Wars season, and when Disney bought it, it became December. They started experimenting, trying to get it back to the May spot, but didn't work out with Solo, so they pushed it back to December again. And I think December is going to remain the Star Wars weeks or month from now on, which is kind of disappointing because with May comes May the 4th, and it kind of all ties together, plus it's also George Lucas's birthday month, and um, which is also my birthday month. Pretty funny. Um, but yeah, lots of movies came out this week in Star Wars. So let's talk about the news. And actually, real quick, I did mention last week that we started a new segment of the show called Today I Learned Star Wars, and I have a, I finally have a actually actual produced version of it, like a good version of it, and uh, we'll do that after the news section of the show, and you can expect that every week going forward. But let's talk about some of the news. There's been a couple of headlines and a lot of rumors recently, uh, some of which have been sent to me by people on Twitter or on Instagram, and uh, thank you for suggesting we talk about it. Um, more specifically, um, this first topic was shown to me by one of our, our very loyal listeners, Max4646. So thank you, Max, for this. We're talking about Daisy Ridley, and it's reported that she may reprise her role as Rey in an upcoming Star Wars project. Now, I did read the article... Uh, I went through it. There was no hard evidence suggesting where this report heard from the source or any other details except for that headline 
alone. So it makes me a little skeptical. And most of the theories based after that article are, well, she's going to be either in, let me see here. It was either in Mandalorian season three or a video game. Those are the only two theories I see circulating. Now, Mandalorian 3, I'm going to go ahead and disavow that because timeline doesn't make sense. I don't see how that could work. I mean, maybe she could voice another character, but I don't think she'll want to do that. A video game is likely, very likely, because it only involves her doing some voice acting, collecting a very nice paycheck for it, and she doesn't actually have to be as involved as she was for the sequel trilogy itself. But uh, I still don't think any of this is true. I don't think Daisy Ridley will be returning back to Star Wars anytime soon. If we look at the history of reports that came out from Variety through the past two years, let's take all the way back to May of 2019. Daisy Ridley was uh, interviewed by The Hollywood Reporter and Variety, and she told them that she thinks this ending for The Rise of Skywalker is the perfect finale for Rey, and that she doesn't think there should be anything else of her going forward. Now, that was probably just in promo for the film. She was probably tired at that point. She didn't want to go back right away. But a year later, in July of 2020, Daisy Ridley was asked again about returning to Star Wars. And she said the same thing. She doesn't think she would want to come back. She thinks the time for Rey Skywalker is finished. And it was just that simple of an answer. Fast forward one more year later to today... And this report comes out that it's rumored for her to reprise her role as Rey. Well, people have been saying this for the past two years, and nothing has come of it. There's been no sources confirming it. There, there's been nothing, nothing from Lucasfilm or anything like that. I don't believe it's real. Now, that's just my opinion. And, you know, judging by... I watch, like, every Star Wars interview, like, when the movies come out. I watch everything. And Daisy Ridley is one of my favorite actors in Star Wars, and she just really doesn't seem interested to go back, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if it was she didn't enjoy the experience or if she doesn't didn't enjoy the story. I think it might just be she didn't expect to be so famous so quickly, and it kind of just traumatized her in a way. You know, everyone knows Daisy's face. Everyone wants to meet her. She got harassed on social media. I'm not sure if she's ready to jump back into that spotlight again because it's just it's so much you know she is the face of the sequel trilogy so it's just my opinion i would love to hear what you guys think i'm going to take a moment here and welcome the people in the chat we have onelian onelian i have no i i see your name all the time i have no idea how to pronounce it <laughs> i'm so sorry um but hello there and uh max of course is here again and then we have a couple people watching on twitch and it looks like a couple people watching on facebook so welcome to the show if you want to submit you know questions or thoughts feel free to go ahead we will talk about them here um max is saying that he wasn't in a theater until july and where he watched the empire strikes back in theaters and it was and that experience was just great you watched empire strikes back in july last year that's incredible i'm jealous i've I, i've never seen the original trilogy in theaters that's like a goal of mine i would love to experience that he also says that I want Ray to come back, but not yet. Maybe in 10 to 20 years, a movie that takes place a few years after T-Ross, where she trains a new Jedi Order. And I think Daisy Ridley would return to Star Wars at some point. I could see that. I mean, that, I think that's definitely going to happen. Um, in a longer duration of time, she will definitely come back. Whether it's a cameo or if it's like a Luke Skywalker type role, Obi-Wan role. I definitely agree with that. Um... I just think at this moment, it might be a little too soon for her sake. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So that's it for Daisy Ridley. Um, the next bit of news here, like I said, is about The Mandalorian Season 3. Now, there's a lot of predictions and reports out there. Now, again, these are rumors, so take it with a grain of salt or sand. And they're saying that it's predicted Mandalorian Season 3 is going to be delayed again due to Pedro Pascal's commitment to the HBO series, The Last of Us. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, again, falsify this one because uh, The Last of Us uh, was into development way after The Mandalorian had already premiered, which means Disney has firsthand at Pedro Pascal. He contracted to that show. 
and <laughs> there's no way that uh you know he's gonna take on another show and then be like oh disney you guys gotta wait disney knows what they're doing that's not the issue here the issue is not pedro pascal's schedule i mean look he did wonder woman 84 too at the time of shooting um season two of mandalorian um the mandalorian is the priority right now in his schedule because that's his contracted show he's you know he's got to be there um but is Mandalorian season three going to be delayed? I think there is some truth to this rumor because of the issues that have been going on at Disney, which we'll get into a little bit later, but they're going through this major reorganization again, which they already had done one year ago today in 2020, but they're doing it again. And this time it makes some heavy changes involving the creators of the show, which again, we'll talk about here in a second, but I don't believe it's because of Pedro Pascal's schedule. Now, what's going to happen in Season 3? I don't know. I think it will heavily have to do with what's going to happen in the Book of Boba Fett. But we'll have to wait and see about that, too. The last bit of news before we get into one of these big topics here about Disney is it was just announced last week that Star Wars Celebration is back up and going. And the next event was originally planned for 2022 in the month of August. But this week, Lucasfilm announced that the dates for Star Wars Celebration are moved to May 26th through May 29th of next year. And, of course, this will be taking place in Anaheim, California, which I live really close to, but I don't get to go because all the tickets are already sold out. How sad is that? Everyone who had tickets before when it was delayed or postponed, canceled, whatever, um, it just it just gets waived and goes into the next the next event, which means there's like no new people that can go to this event, which is kind of sad. I am trying, though, I am trying to get a press pass because technically I'm a podcast host. We talk about Star Wars and do news and things like that. So that's one of my goals today is to become an official press member of Star Wars Celebration. Whether that's going to happen or not, I don't know. It's very ambitious, but we'll have to wait and see. But that's something that's really exciting, too, is we're going to get some major announcements come May of next year. I can feel it. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. Um, let's see here. Okay, so the next big piece of news is technically a main topic, which is the title of today's episode, and that is all about Disney making some major changes. Now, this isn't directly affiliated with Star Wars, but it is in some aspect. I think it's really important to talk about, and it's also something that really interests me, so I'm going to talk about it here today, and... I would love to know your guys' thoughts as well. So check this out. I'm going to put up the picture of the, the man responsible for all this. This is Bob Chapek. Those of you who don't know who Bob Chapek is, he is the new CEO of Disney. Previously in that position was Bob Iger, who is also the chairman of the board currently and back then. I was a big fan of Bob Iger, and I was really sad when he announced last year he was going to leave Disney and retire. But, you know, it's his time. He's done so much for this company, so much for Star Wars, and it's his time, you know. I was very skeptical when he announced Bob Chapek would be taking his role thereafter. And I, I still had hope, though. I was like, well, Bob Iger, he knows what he's doing. But there's some reports coming out that some stuff might be going down and affecting their relationship. So the Walt Disney Company is... In the, sorry guys, I'm getting my notes up here. Okay, so they're they're in the right now in the major leadership shift, with the newly minted CEO Bob Chapek asserting more authority. As the longtime leader, he replaced Bob Iger prepares to surrender his executive chairman role for emeritus status at the end of the year. So Bob or Bob Iger is leaving at the end of uh, 2021, which is which is very sad. And the two men's once warm relationship has grown strained, according to four insiders. And this comes as Chapek has overseen a 2020 reorganization that centralized the media's company content, distribution, and ad sales. At the corporate level, Iger has moved much more into the background than he was a few months ago, even as the creative side. 
Insiders say that in a sign of leadership transfer taking place, Chapek has not only joined Iger in creative meetings, but actually convened some this spring with top creative teams in television under Peter Rice and Dana Walden. Now, that's just the opening of this article, which is found on Variety. You guys can read it for yourself. It's very fascinating. It's very long. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but that's just the opening. So what is this talking about? Bob Chapek is making some major drastic changes to Disney that involve dismantling everything Bob Iger has created. Now, what did Bob Iger do for the company? Well, he first of all, he got Pixar merged it with Disney. He got Marvel, merged it with Disney. He got Star Wars, merged it with merged it with Disney. Convinced George Lucas now is the time to start remaking Star Wars again. Whether you like the new stuff or not, he brought back Star Wars for us and um made Disney a lot of money. He's also done so much more than just that. You know, he bought 20th Century Fox. He's he launched Disney Plus. He has changed Disney so much and brought it into this new world of technology and straight to consumer relationship and i was such a big idol of he was a big idol of mine Uh, i was a big fan he did a lot his book is fantastic and uh, don't get me wrong i don't agree with everything he does but he has definitely left a footprint in disney and is one of the greatest ceos of all time in my opinion and still currently is the most powerful man in entertainment history But what's most important about him is he understands the art of creativity and he knows to give creators freedom to do what they want and to make decisions that involve story and the audience, how they interpret it. Now, this article says that creatives at Disney are getting pushed out of their decision-making process. And this is scary because what's happening is Bob Chapek is... He's putting a new level of management above the creators that have never worked in movies before, and they don't understand the creative process. What has happened is Disney has become this major monopoly, and they assume that all the success that they've had is because of their monopolistic approach to buying property and just pushing out a lot of content, which is a mistake. Uh, what, what actually has made them successful is not buying all this property and releasing content, but creating new original ideas and advancing technology to go with that storytelling and connecting to the audience on a personal level and an emotional level. And Chapek believes that Disney's success, this company's success, is in its sales and in its marketing. He doesn't at all credit any of its success to the creators, to the stories, to the content that we consume and purchase. And... He thinks it has to do with how the films are marketed, the numbers that come in. So this new team he has placed over the creatives uh, management is not people that write stories, that create content, that understand storytelling, but finance guys, accountants, people that know nothing about this stuff. They just look at the money. And what they're going to do is they're going to base what projects they want to create on what sells the most or what they think does well based on a fiscal point of view, which makes absolutely no sense. If if that was the case, we would get uh, just over and over big CGI events like The Lion King that came out two years ago, which is not what people actually want. So Bob Chapek, he looks at the numbers. He doesn't look at people. That's what the problem is. What made Disney so successful these past couple of years, five to six to eight years, has been Bob Iger looks at the people, not the not the actual numbers. These people come in, they create ideas, and they make them, and they put them out there. Bob Chapek has forgotten what it means to make a good product. There are these creators, you know, they're being replaced by, you know, they're these people that have nothing to do with movie making and they just take a monopolistic approach and it, it's going to, it's going to make people forget what it's like to a content genius and how to create an idea. And this new level of management has no concept of movie making or how to tell the difference between a good product and a bad product. They don't know. They just see the numbers and that's going to hurt them very bad. And ultimately all of this should be about 
the customer. It should be about the viewer, the audience, you and me, and how we take this content and how we react to it. The numbers don't matter. Because if you look at Disney+, Plus, you can't judge a property on Disney+, Plus by a fiscal number. It's on the views. It's on the uh, social media engagement. It's how many people are talking about it. It's word of mouth. That's what's important. Bob Chapek could very much ruin Star Wars by doing this because this doesn't just affect Disney shows, Disney Plus shows, but it also affects the properties they own like Star Wars. Whether you like Kathleen Kennedy or not, her power at Star Wars is now going to be diminished on a creative standpoint and will now only be based on a numbers point of view. And you can also look at Marvel. Kevin Feige has a lot of power currently in Marvel. But with this new reorganization Bob Chapek is planning, Kevin Feige is going to have to answer to new people. And he's going to have way less input on the creative decisions. That leads me to believe Kevin Feige is not going to stay at Disney much longer, which is very sad. The reason why he stayed so long is because of the creative power he had in that position in a good way. He knows what he's doing. And before, back in 2012, I think it was, uh, Kevin Feige had to answer to the CEO of Marvel at the time, who was not under the Disney umbrella. And I forget the guy's name. But he was causing problems with Kevin Feige and not letting him do what he wanted to do. So Bob Iger got rid of that position of chain of command, and Kevin Feige only answered directly to Alan Horton, the studio executive. And then Kevin Feige was able to make all these great movies that suddenly came out of nowhere. And because of that creative integrity and the ambition he had, but now he's going right back to where he was before, like eight years ago. He's going to have new bosses to answer to who won't understand what a good product is. They're going to tell him to make certain movies that probably nobody wants to see. And the same thing goes for Star Wars. Whether it's Kathleen Kennedy, whether it's Jon Favreau, they're going to lose their creative input. And it's going to affect the product. Now, we're not going to see this happen in the next year, in the next two years. But if they continue this route with this reorganization, we're going to see this heavily affect Rogue One or Rogue Squadrons, I'm sorry, and the Taika Waititi movie and any major movie coming out after that. Luckily, Obi-Wan is okay. Whew, that was close. But this is major. This is a big deal. And uh, I know it's a lot to kind of wrap your heads around. And to be honest with you, I'm not the expert on it. I follow a lot of Disney news and of the business side because I just find it fascinating. And it's like stuff I would like to be involved with someday. And But I think this is, as uh, Nick Fury would say, it's a stupid-ass decision. <laughs> I realize the council has made a decision, but considering it's a stupid-ass decision, I've, de I've decided to deny it. <laughs> That's what Kathleen Kennedy and Kevin Feige should say. But I think the biggest, before I get into what you guys are saying, I think the biggest, sorry, everybody, my camera went out for a second. I think the biggest disappointment of this for me is to hear that Bob Iger is kind of stepping away because he realizes he's coming to the end of his tenure. He cannot do anything. And if he gets involved this much again, he's just going to have to extend his contract. And he wants to retire. He's done so much for Disney. He wants to go out and leave his footprint as a big, you know, legacy name for all the things he's done. I'm really nervous about what's going to happen. I'm really nervous about this Bob Chapek guy. I was nervous last year. And, you know, the position he had before being the CEO of Disney, he was the, you know, the overall overseer of all the parks. And apparently when he got that position, people started saying he affected the parks in a negative way. And the experience went down. And on top of all this, Disney's second quarter earnings conference came out. They're not doing so hot. I mean, it's not going to hurt them really badly. But they had a $600 million loss. That's insane. Their projections for Disney Plus subscriptions and interaction went down a lot. And their stock today went down $13. That's incredible. That, it's, that was only five hours ago? <laughs> this is insane. And it's, it's very hurtful to me. Uh, and I, I, hope it's, I hope it's not bad. But we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to see what you guys are saying in the chat here. Um, I see a hashtag, not my Disney. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, 
And I'm a big fan of Disney. I love Disney, not just Star Wars and Marvel, but um, Mickey Mouse, all that, all that kind of stuff. The animation, Pixar, uh, Disney proper, Frozen, all that kind of stuff. It's it means a lot to me. So it it hurts when I see stuff like this. And I think, you know, Disney, Star Wars, they're in trouble. They need to they need to fix this. I think we will feel the changes at the earliest in 2022 because Bob Iger is still there until December of 2021. Yes, uh, maybe not drastic changes, but early signs of this reorganization in 2022. Of course, we will start to see it break down, I think, by February. Um, Because if you look at the numbers this year in February is when we started to see the rise of Disney Plus stock. So it's definitely a possibility. Um. Max asks, are the directors like Taika and Ryan also influenced by that creative change? Yes, 100%. Look at The Last Jedi, for example. Um, this has nothing to do with the fact that I don't like that movie. In When Ryan Johnson was hired to make The Last Jedi, Kathleen Kennedy gave him full creative control. <clears throat> that would not happen under this new administration. Ryan Johnson would have to answer not only to Kathleen Kennedy but to this new studio executive that they're putting the studio head and the head above that. And then ultimately the CEO, because the CEO wants direct involvement with star Wars 99% of the time that was in the book. That is a uh, fact. Um, Bob Iger gave his blessing for Ryan Johnson to have full creative control over the last Jedi as well. He only had one note during the last Jedi and it was that he thought something was funny. Wait, maybe that was the force awakens. I'm sorry, that was The Force Awakens. There's a fun story where J.J. Um, Abrams tells a story about when he was making Force Awakens. They had a screening for the executives, and Bob Iger said, I think that joke is funny, and it was a joke that was cut from the movie, which is kind of funny. Um, but still, it goes for Ryan Johnson as well. Bob Iger gave his blessing. He has full creative control. So yeah, not only will it affect Ryan Johnson if he gets his trilogy in the future, but Patty Jenkins, Taika Waititi, anyone else who's making a, a movie or a television series, it'll affect them directly. Um, oops, uh, let me see here. I don't want Disney to say to their directors and studio heads what they have to do. And I agree that if that is true, that Kevin Feige will leave Marvel. This new guys will say to them that they have to do the projects as cheap as possible, that they can earn as much as possible. Bob Iger was one of the best Disney CEOs of all time. I totally agree. And I think we're kind of on the same page with how we view this this situation. Uh, they're going to want to strictly look at things from a profit point of view. And you could argue that The Force Awakens was viewed from that point of view as well because they rushed the production of that movie, therefore giving them less time to make a plan for an entire trilogy. Force Awakens was a success, so that's a bad example. But when they go into new movies and television series, they're going to start with a number. You're right. They're going to start with a budget and say, Here's what you have. We want this, this, and this. And those you know, parameters might not match the budget that they're given to make those goals happen. So it's a difficult, it's a difficult time. It's going to be scary. Uh, and as soon as we hear more information, I'll talk about it here on the show. Uh, I know that was kind of indirectly related to Star Wars, so I'm sorry for those of you who weren't interested. Um, but we could see this have repercussions later on. I'm serious. I think this is something to keep in mind but with all of that out of the way let's jump into our third segment of the show okay and this is the first time officially 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 that we'll have a today i learned star wars segment so i hope you guys enjoy this week on today i learned star wars a long time ago in a galaxy far far away before yoda was created The plan was to hire an actual actor to play the character, but not just any actor. The production planned to dress up a real monkey in a Yoda costume and hideous mask. He was even trained to use Yoda's cane. You can still find photos of the monkey in training. Luckily, a crew member who'd previously worked on 2001 A Space Odyssey pointed out that the apes used in that movie were a huge headache, which was enough to convince George Lucas to fire their monkey actor and bring on the amazing Frank Oz to provide movement and voice for him. And I think we're all glad that he did. That's Today I Learned Star Wars. Tune in next week for more fun facts on Han Talks First. Is it possible to learn this power?
I hope you guys enjoyed that. It'll be a new segment to the show every week on Monday. And the video form of it will be released every Tuesday morning. So if you watch on the podcast and you want to see the video, head on over to the YouTube at uh, every Tuesday and you'll get to see some of the visuals that come along with the topics. But yeah, Yoda was originally a monkey. How crazy is that? Um, pretty cool stuff. And if you didn't recognize the voice on that segment of the show, that is actually from my girlfriend. <laughs> Very cute. But she uh, she's providing the voice for that segment of the show going forward. So I hope you guys will enjoy it. Let me know if you don't like it. We will totally cut it out of the show. <laughs> um, but that is today I learned Star Wars. So let's talk about a topic actually directly related to Star Wars. And this, it doesn't have to do with news or predictions, but it has to do with symmetry. It has to do with patterns, themes, and things like that. You know, as Maz Kanata would say, if you live long enough, you see the same eyes through different people. So we're going to talk about some of the patterns that we see through the different Star Wars movies. Ever since the original trilogy to the prequel trilogy, to today. So let me pull up a picture here of the creator himself, the master, George Lucas. And according to George Lucas, the similarities between the Star Wars movies were deliberate. And during the making of the prequels, he actually spoke fairly often about his use of repetition in Star Wars. I have a quote here that says, I create themes, like different arrangements, just like a piece of music. On the Phantom Menace's audio commentary, Lucas stated that it's very, very clear in the two trilogies that I'm putting the characters in pretty much the same situations, sometimes even the same dialogue, so that the father and son go through pretty much the same exact experience. In a documentary on the making of the film, titled In the Beginning, he likened the repetitions to poetry. He says, instead of destroying the Death Star like Luke, Anakin destroyed the ship that controls the robots. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Every stanza rhymes with the last one. So this is what we're talking about today because I think it's a, a very fascinating topic and not one that people talk about on YouTube videos like this one. And some of it may seem obvious, like with the example George gave about the endings of each first movie. You know, Luke blows up the Death Star. Anakin blows up the droid operating ship. And... But there's so much more to it than that. It's a thematic elements, sometimes straight up visual, sometimes audible, and sometimes a mythological approach as well. But it's stuff that I think is really, really cool, and I wanted to share some of my thoughts on it today. So let's look at the, the titles. Let's start with just the titles of the films. And more specifically, let's look at The Phantom Menace, which is what George was mostly talking about. So The Phantom Menace corresponds directly with A New Hope. Attack of the Clones corresponds directly with The Empire Strikes Back. And Revenge of the Sith corresponds with Return of the Jedi. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is uh, the names. You know, if you look at it, The Phantom Menace is an article, an adjective, and a noun. Similar to A New Hope, an article, an adjective, and a noun. If we look at the Revenge of the Sith versus Return of the Jedi, they are both noun, preposition, and noun. This is what's called a step parallelism. And not only does this poetic pattern help the structure of how one's thoughts and ideas are related to another, but it also helps emphasize messages, often moral messages, and expands them and makes it easier to remember. I mean, if you think about it, all Star Wars titles are very easy to remember. One, because they all flow with each other. But two, because... Uh, it's not just the, the thematic element, but it's this, this moral message behind them. It's a sense of power. It's Star Wars, Attack of the Clones. The use of noun, preposition, and noun, or the descriptive adjectives in them, is what makes it grab your attention. You could also look at things like The Last Crusade, Indiana Jones, or Temple of Doom. These serialized titles... Uh, or a title with a subtitle is something that we draw towards because it's mythological and it tells the story. You know, if Indiana Jones was just called Indiana Jones, that'd be fine. But the first one is called Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark. So that tells you a little bit something more about that movie. So that's something really cool to point out as well. Now there's a second form of parallelism found in Star Wars and it's called inverted parallelism. 
And this one, it's also known as ring composition, which I'll explain here in a minute. But you can see very vividly examples of this in the visuals of the movie. If you're watching on the YouTube, I'll pull up some stills that you can see from the movies. If you're listening on the podcast form, uh, you'll just be able to visualize it because you're listening to Star Wars podcast. You know what the hell it looks like, right? So if we look again at the parallels between the inverted parallels between the um, Phantom Menace and A New Hope, let's talk about the opening shots. If we look at the opening shot of the Phantom Menace, we know that it starts off with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn's ship approaching this um, uh, the, the big Separatist ship, right? And the ship enters in from the left side of the frame. Now, parallel to that, in an inverted way, is the opening of A New Hope, the Tantive Four. It's opens. We open with that ship coming in from the right side of the frame, and it moves to the left, being, instead of entering a Separatist ship, it is trying to escape from a Star Destroyer. And then, of course, we see more parallels to that directly after it, when Obi-Wan's ship and Qui-Gon's ship enter the Separatist Droid Command Center, entering from the right side of the frame. But in A New Hope, the Tanta Four enters from the left side of the frame, entering the Star Destroyer ship. One is entering, the other one is being uh, commandeered. So already we have very vivid, very explicit forms of inverted parallelism. And it's things like this that make the movies so good. The prequels, anyway. A lot of people, you know, you can say the dialogue is bad, you can say the storytelling is bad, the acting is bad, but from a filmmaking point of view, everything holds up and everything is very methodical. And it's things like this that are really, really fascinating. It's very Kubrick-esque. If any of you are fans of Stanley Kubrick, 2001 A Space Odyssey, or The Shining, or Clockwork Orange, he it kind of started this whole form of inverted parallelism, especially from the beginning of a movie to the end. If you watch The Shining, for example, the first half of the movie is going forward, and the second half of the movie is basically doing the same thing the first half is, except in reverse. It's fascinating stuff. So, some other forms of parallelism, parallelism, excuse me, uh, for inverted parallelism is if we look at A New Hope, right? C-3PO and R2-D2 are running through the hallways trying to, you know, get to the escape pod, right? And they come in from the left side of the screen, and they're running towards the camera. If we look at the Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn are approaching from the right side, and they're also coming towards the camera. This And it's a duo. It's a very specific example of inverted parallelism that we see repeated over and over again. If we look at the first time Darth Vader approaches the screen, he enters from smoke. He busts through a door, and smoke is filled, and then he's revealed that Darth Vader is the bad guy, right? Well, in The Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn also bust through the door, that when is opened is revealed to be a bunch of smoke. But instead of it being the villain, it's the heroes of this story. And it's just things like that that are just, you know, so kind of amazing to think about. And it's what George Lucas was talking about. Like, sometimes it's a direct visual copy of the original film. And, you know, everyone has said that Force Awakens is like a complete ripoff of A New Hope. Well, so is The Phantom Menace. It's, they're both very similar movies. You could argue that all three are essentially the same exact movie. Now, I didn't have enough time in preparation for the show to bring up examples from The Force Awakens, but we will discuss that another time because there's tons. There's so many. And if you guys can think of any, please let me know. But more examples from A New Hope and Phantom Menace is, in, also in A New Hope, before Darth Vader busts through the door, we see some of the soldiers waiting on the sides, waiting for them to bust through so they can open fire. And the depth of field is going from the right side of the frame going down towards the left side, where we see the door starting to bust open. And to parallel this, in The Phantom Menace, we see the Separatist leaders waiting on the inside of their hangar while the 
Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn try to bust through the door. Again, this isn't inverted parallelism, but this would be similar to a ring composition form of parallelism in this stuff, which is really, really cool. Now, some other random examples of this type of, you know, thematic repetition or poetry. I love that quote from George Lucas, as he says, like, he said so many times over the years, Star Wars is uh, it's like poetry. It, it rhymes. And uh, some other examples of this are, let's look at, again, in The Phantom Menace, right? When Anakin leaves Tatooine for the first time, and he's a little scared, and he utters that ridiculous line, I'm cold. Well, Padme covers Anakin with a blanket abo- aboard their royal ship. Well, in A New Hope, if you remember, after Luke finds out about um, Obi-Wan uh, passing away, Leia covers Luke with a blanket on board of the Millennium Falcon. Parallelisms. This one is more uh, visual and thematical, like relating father to son. Like they're both going through the same exact sequence of events. Another example using Padme is in episode three. If you remember, Padme, I think she talks to Obi-Wan Kenobi when Anakin is falling to the dark side. And she says to him, there's still good in him. Talking about Anakin. Well, Luke Skywalker did the same exact thing in episode six when he was talking about his father. And he said, there's still good in him. I can feel it. So the third movie and the sixth movie, again, repeating each other. This form is in dialogue. So the parallelisms are very, very strong. I think um, I have two more examples, and then I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, If we talk about episode two and episode five, so Attack of the Clones and The Empire Strikes Back, all the male lead characters in both of those films are separated during the romantic chapters of those movies. If we look at Han and Leia, and we look at Anakin and Padme, at the time that their love is sparked in those movies, that's when they're separated from each other, and they go off on their own adventures, just like in Attack of the Clones. So the last example I have here, and then I'll see if you guys have any, is a recent example, and this one has to do with the Clone Wars. If you guys remember in 2002, when the Clone Wars movie came out, it opened up with this big opening battle sequence on a bridge or something like that. And then last year, when the opening of Season 7 of the Clone Wars came out, it opened on a bridge with a big opening battle sequence. The exact same way that the Clone Wars opened up all the way back in the day. And some of it had even the same exact dialogue, same exact tracking, same motion, uh, animation. So another example of parallelism. Now, this one isn't directly thematically related to Star Wars. It's just a visual thing. Dave Filoni probably wanted to compliment himself from the past and just kind of, you know, pay homage to what started the Clone Wars back when George Lucas owned it. So that's that's a different type. But when we're talking about ring compositions, there's so many different things that are involved with parallelisms in Star Wars. This is such a big topic. We're going to have to discuss it more on another episode of Han Talks First. But I want to see if you guys can think of any. So if you are watching live and you can think of any examples of, you know, repetition in Star Wars from different movies and things like that, I would love to hear what you have to say. Um, let me see here. Oh, it's like poetry. It rhymes. I just love that sentence. <laughs> I do, too. I got to get a little clip out video of George Lucas saying that and just like play it every once in a while on this show. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, Oh, I forgot to show this picture as well with George and Ahsoka. I just love this picture so much, but yeah, that is, um, that's the whole show for today, everybody. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Max actually has an example. I have one example between episode two and five in episode five. The Falcon hides on a star destroyer and in episode two, Obi-Wan hides on an, on an asteroid yeah yeah excellent point that's exactly like that and during that sequence they're both being hunted good uh point of view there i think and by the same character technically in attack of the clones obi-wan is being hunted by jango fett or, or the other way around and in empire strikes back they're being hunted by boba fett that's a great example wow See, I love this stuff. It's like little connections you can pick up that only us true fans would get, you know. 
things like that. But anyway, um, great example, Max. I really appreciate that. If any of you can think of examples, you know, watching on the podcast, shoot me a message. I'd love to hear it. We can mention it on next week's show. I almost forgot. We did a poll. We did a poll over the weekend. Let me look up what it was. See what the results were. So if you guys don't know, every week I'm going to start doing a poll on the Twitter, which you can go and check out, and we will discuss the results here. And this week's poll was all about which of these Star Wars Sith rulers is the most powerful. And I put four options on there. It was Emperor Palpatine, Darth Plagueis, Emperor Malgus, and Darth Vitiate. Vitiate. Sorry, I have to say it like that because people give me so much crap for mispronouncing his name on a video I did a while ago. And um, it's like, I screwed up. I, I had everyone, everyone stumbles on their words sometimes. Don't give me such a hard time. <laughs> but in last place was Emperor Malgus, which kind of shocked me because in the legends or in Knights of the Old Republic, he's the emperor of the Sith rule. <laughs> he's, he's one of the first. He's a very powerful player, but 0%. Nobody voted for him. And coming up in third is actually Darth Vitiate, another one I thought would get really high up on the list, but only 8% of people thought he was the most powerful. In second place, Starth Plagueis. Makes sense. 21%. And in first place, of course, is Emperor Palpatine with 71%. That is very predictable. Now, if I could have voted, I would have said Emperor Palpatine. Because, not only because of his physical power, but because of his manipulative power. And the power he has over influence not in a force sense but he owned the senate at some point he had literally unlimited power and emergency powers and so he he can only he can control people through the force through his strength but also through his you know position in the government hence creating the empire so yes emperor palatine wins that poll and i totally agree with it that is the show for today everybody Thank you so much for listening. We will be back on Monday next week to talk more about Star Wars on the Han Talks First Show. And again, this Friday, don't forget, a bonus episode. Me and Pat and Charles from Conversations will be talking right here on the on the channel. And you can listen to us there. And we talk a lot about Star Wars. We talk about an interesting concept, too, about the best secondary lines of Star Wars. So, like, memorable quotes, but not the ones that are you know, most talked about the ones in the background, the throwaway lines that are very important, but not a lot of light is shed onto them. So we'll talk about that there, but thank you guys so much for watching again today. I hope you have a great rest of your day and, you know, do some fun stuff, have some star Wars talks yourselves. And, um, yeah, tomorrow, the today I learned star Wars video is coming out. It would mean a lot to me if you went to that video and liked it and like this video. If you're watching live it means a lot to me. And um, hit us up on social media everywhere you are. Hit subscribe if you're not subscribed yet because we do videos all the time here. And follow on the podcast. And rate and review on Apple if you have time. It would help out so much. But until next time, my friends, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the Force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.